0: Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Open up your Bibles with me and remain standing. Let's get into the Word tonight. Open your Bible to Judges chapter 6. I hope you're ready tonight. I got some preach in me tonight. Watch out. (laughs) Hope you're not offended by screaming and yelling because I'm going to have some fun tonight. Judges chapter 6. Starting to read in verse 7. If you have the NIV version, you can read it aloud with me. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of all of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God, do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Yikes. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abezerite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But the Lord has now abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? pardon me my lord (laughs) Gideon replied but how can I save Israel my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family and the Lord answered I will be with you and I will strike down all the Midianites leaving none alive let's pray Lord, I thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray for an anointing to be upon me that I will speak forth your word in power tonight. God, that you would help me to communicate what you have spoken to me for your people. And I pray for an anointing to be upon them, those that are watching online, those that are in their cars outside, and those that are here in the sanctuary. I pray that your word would permeate deep in their hearts, that you would strengthen us, that we would rise up in faith in greater measure. In Jesus' name amen. You may be seated. How many of you have ever done the trust fall? Minister Darren and Minister Sheree, would you come on up here? Come on! Minister Darren, you can be the catcher. Come on. Come. Minister Sheree, come up here because you're husband and wife. Yes, yes. Come, come, come. Come, come, come. Come. Pastor Jaira, you want to come? No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry. <laughs> come on, come on up there. Come on, quick, 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 quick. I got to preach. Come on, come on, come on. Okay, how many of you have seen a trust fall? Right Just right here. What is a trust fall? trust fall? Where the person who trusts the other person, what does what? Yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> it's a good thing you love her. Okay. will <clears throat> do it one more time. Do it. Okay, see, he caught you, right? Okay, one more time, one more time. Okay, oh, give him a big hand. <laughs> Even in businesses and camps, we've done the trust fall. And can I tell you, each time I will go to the bathroom. And I'll say, I, sorry, I really got to go. I don't, I, I, somebody's calling my name. I cannot handle. Except when the Holy Spirit comes upon me. And then what do we do? We fall over. We got great ushers who catch us. Praise the Lord. But trust is different. In fact, when we look at what trust is, it's a firm belief in, a reliability, uh, a truth, an ability of strength. As I did the forgiveness um, lessons, as many of you have done in uh, a Rise to Forgiveness series, I realized that forgiveness, you can have a lot of, but trust must be rebuilt. You can love people, you can give, you can serve, you can forgive all without trust. Because trust has to grow as you can trust them. How do you grow in trust? I believe that there's levels and we test what trust is through what we say. Is it truth or is it a lie? Is it a manipulation? Is it uh, for pride's sake so that they'll look good? You know, traveling around the world, I've met a lot of Christians who aren't really Christians. (laughs) And they lie a lot to make what? To save face. Do we do that in Hawaii? Yeah, we do it all over the world. But can we trust somebody who lies and manipulates? Another level of trust is their actions and what they do. Does it line up with their word? That's why uh, churches and Christians have a bad uh, stigma because people say that we're hypocrites because we say, oh, we're holy, we're righteous, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and then we go swear and beat up our neighbors, kick our dog, have a horrible marriage. Our kids are crying all the time, starving to death. Oh, but we're Christians, we love Jesus. Hmm, can we trust that? The third level is do we keep promises? Do we fulfill what we've said we are gonna do and our promises, and if we fail, do we repent? See, those are all baselines of how we build trust, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in a business, whether in any type of relationship is building of trust. But as we see in this passage, trust builds and increases our faith. In fact, we cannot have faith without the basis of trust. Trust is a prerequisite for faith. In fact, when we look in the Greek word for trust, it is pistis, which is the same word that we use for faith or believe or trust. Isn't that interesting how all three tie together to represent what faith is? Here in this passage of scripture, we look at Gideon. Gideon comes to the place of learning to trust God. When we look back at the history, of course, uh, they didn't have kings back then. They had judges. And uh, one judge would rise up and the people would serve the Lord. And then all of a sudden, the people would turn away from the Lord when the judges died. And here we see that same thing happening. In fact, it's been seven years under the hand of the Midianites and the Amalekites. And yet God proves himself time after time after time again. God shows that he is trustworthy to Gideon. Gideon learns to trust God. And we see it very interesting even as God gave me the, the, the three ways of building trust, as I went and I looked in the scripture, I was like, whoa, God, you did that. Whoa, you, you gave the prophetic word how you fulfilled all your promises. God confirmed that he did the actions and he fulfilled his promise of protecting his people, delivering them time and time and time again. In fact, when you look at what the prophet said in verse eight, God rescued them, he brought them out, he delivered them, he drove out those that were in front of them so that they could live in the promised land. God confirmed his promises, reminding them that he is the faithful God who will fulfill every promise. But then he also goes a step further where he doesn't say, oh, as a people, I'm confirming my promises. But then he talks specifically to Gideon. And he declares how he sees Gideon. He's a warrior. He's strong. And I think it's quite interesting how Gideon goes, pardon me, Lord. (laughs) It's a lot like us. But God, what about this and what about that? And in fact, whenever God speaks to us, let's say even prophetic conference or even at church where God gives us a promise, but God Um, If you were really God, and if you really cared for us, I wouldn't have this sickness at all. But God, if you're really God, how many times did I hear it from uh, people who are not saved, if God is really God, why does bad things happen? We hear that all the time. Oh, if God is really God, then we should have an amazing president. If God is really God, then we should have millions of dollars in our bank accounts. If God is really God, all of our wish lists. And that's exactly what Gideon does. Well, if God was God, why are we in captivity by the Amalekites? Where is he? How come all these problems are coming? God doesn't address his complaints or his problems. God speaks to him and declares who he is. You are a warrior. Go in this strength that you have, for I have called you and I have anointed you. God reveals his plan that he has called and he has destined for Gideon to defeat the Midianites, to strike them down for he has heard their prayers. God passes over every test that Gideon lays down. I think that is so amazing, the God that we serve. That Gideon, even in the place of complaining and murmuring and why, 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 God fulfills who he is. God gives him promises. God declares his purpose over Gideon. And then whatever test Gideon puts his way, he fulfills. We see that Gideon says, well, well, hold on. If this is really true, let me make some food for you. And this isn't like drive by uh, McDonald's or Wendy's, okay? Like one minute. Hold on, I go get some food no this was killing the cow (laughs) then making the meat right then cooking it then making the fire then cooking it and then presenting it letting the yeast rise which is going to take like an hour or two i mean this is a long process and the angel of the lord just sits there and waits he fulfills that test And then when when Gideon presents it, the fire consumes it, and all of a sudden the angel is gone, and Gideon goes, whoa, okay, I think this was God or something. This was an angel of the Lord. But then he begins to speak to God, and he says, oh, if you're God, (laughs) then you're going to make a way. And it says there he builds an altar to the Lord, and God shows up and gives him peace. He is the God of all peace. Then, Does Gideon stop there? No. Gideon says, oh, God, if this is you, I'm going to put the fleece down. And and if if this is your will, if I'm going to have victory, there's going to be dew on the fleece and dry ground. And God does it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. That's not good enough. Okay, wait. Let me figure this out. Okay. If the ground has dew on it, but the fleece is dry, then I'll believe. God does it again. He proves his word. Then. (laughs) Then. Right before Gideon does what God tells him to do, he goes and he says, God, if this is really you, then, then show me another sign. And God says, okay, go down to the camp and let me show you something. Gideon sneaks down to the camp and he overhears a conversation and that conversation is between his enemies. And they say, you know, we had this dream and it must be the sword of Gideon. How do they know Gideon's name? He's some guy in left field that nobody knows who he is. And yet the entire army has been having dreams about Gideon coming and destroying them. That's God. Every single time, God shows that Gideon can trust him. God is awesome. (laughs) He's such a faithful God someone that we can trust. In fact, that's what I love reading, even the Old Testament and the New Testament because God time and time and time again reveals how trustworthy he is. Even Jesus coming in time and space during Christmas time, Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies all the way from Genesis, he revealed it, all the way to Malachi of how faithful God is to fulfill every single promise every promise not one has not been fulfilled whoa you see we can trust our God but then that brings us to our part you see trust is earned and it's not only that Gideon has to trust God but God's got to trust Gideon yikes did you know that God wants to trust you But can he? Can God trust you? Can he give you a vision and a dream and a purpose and give you giftings and talents and trust you to use them for his glory? Whew, that's hardcore, watch out. You see, before the miracles, before the impossible, God places us through tests of trust whether he can trust us. The first test, as we see in this passage, is the test of righteousness. You see Gideon, after God goes through all these tests, God speaks to him and says, I want you to cut down and destroy the Baal and the Ashereth pole that is in your town, that is in your neighborhood. That's actually your family's idol. You need to cast it down. It was a test of righteousness. Will he choose God or will he choose his family? Will he choose what everybody else is saying is okay to do or is he going to make a stand for righteousness and a stand for holiness? You see, that's what caused the children of Israel to come into captivity in the first place because they started to believe like the Midianites. They started to worship the same gods as the Amalekites and the judgment of God came upon them. See, but Gideon had to first have the test of righteousness. Now Gideon (laughs) is a lot like us, where we get very shame, and we don't know what to say, and we're afraid somebody's gonna come against us. And so Gideon does it, but he does it at night, and he does it with 10 of his friends, but he does it in secret so that nobody will say anything bad about him. How many of you have done that before? I'm gonna be righteous, but... I'm just going to kind of do it in secret for a while and nobody really sees me. I love Jesus. I really, really do. But I'm just going to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We've all done it. But you know what I love? Is that Gideon did it. And that was his first step toward trusting for God to trust him. That was his first step of faith. That what I've believed, what I've experienced with God is true is the test of righteousness secondly we see the test of gathering gideon you have to remember that he was in the wine press threshing wheat he even tells god that he is the least of his family and the least of his clan he didn't see himself as very strong and very uh authoritative or used to be a leader and yet god tells him i want you to get the trumpet i want you to call out the war cry you see, the test of gathering announces the fight. The blowing of the trumpet announces the fight. It gathers the warriors of the, of the children of Israel into one place to fight against the Midianites and the Amalekites. It also is a testimony, hmm, a blowing of the trumpet to the enemy, saying, hey, we're gathering for war, you better watch out. That's scary. But what I love is when Gideon grabs that trumpet to blow it, it says the spirit of the Lord was upon him. That God came alongside of him. You see, Gideon passed the test of righteousness and then he passed the test of gathering. And I ask you a question, would you pass the test of gathering? How are you at raising other people alongside of you? Gathering your family and let's go to church. Gathering your neighbors, hey, let's have a life group. You know, a lot of times we have this faulty understanding in the church that if I serve God, that's good enough. That is good. And it is the first test of righteousness. But the second test is gathering, bringing people. It's evangelism, telling others about Jesus and bringing them into the house of God. You see, we cannot move on in our faith and in our ability to for God to trust us if we don't gather others to him. He will not elevate us. He will not trust us. The test of gathering. But thirdly, we see the test of pride. As Gideon blew the trumpet, we see 10,000 men come to fight the battle. And yet God says, you have too many men because you will say you can do it in your own strength or my strength has saved me, not God. You see, God put the pride to the test you see that is our third test of trust is our pride in the way do we think we can do it you know it's so easy for us to get oh I've got all this knowledge I've got all this ability look at how gifted I am I can sing I can dance I can I can the children love me youth people think I'm the coolest in the world I got this then we don't rely on God and we think ourselves are God and we can do whatever we wanna do. You see, but God will always put us to the place of testing. (laughs) I don't like it, but he does it. Why? Because he wants to see what's in our heart. Is it about us or is it about him? Are we dancing, are we singing, are we serving for him or for ourselves? He will always bring us to the place of test. And most of the time, it's through offense. (laughs) Yeah. Or through exhaustion, where you're up every single night of the week until 2 o'clock in the morning, and then you have to wake up for early morning prayer or for work and praise the Lord. We're going to worship the Lord, and we're going to have this production, and we're going to save souls. Hallelujah. That is a test of pride. But we see also that test of pride takes different forms. Where the first people, uh, God said, get rid of all of those who are afraid. I thought, oh, that must be another test. And the Lord says, no, that's attached to pride. You see, fear attaches it to pride because we think of self. That's where fear comes from, protecting self protecting our family, and so we're afraid. We're afraid to fight. We're afraid to stand up for righteousness because we might be ridiculed, we might be put down, we might have to leave our family. You know, there's been people in this church who have been ostracized by their family because they stood up for God. But there are others who turned away from God because they didn't want to offend their friends or their family. They were afraid more of them than they were of God. You see, fear attaches to our pride. The fear of failure, fear of shame, fear of death, fear of ridicule, it all ties into pride. But secondly, we see the second thing that the Lord says, you have too many men, <laughs> there's a bunch, bunch of pride there, and then the fear that's attached to the pride. But also, he brings them to the water. And the men went to drink the water before they go off into fighting the battle very important task, (laughs) because otherwise they'll die as they're fighting. And many of the men went down on their hands and knees and just put their head in the water and drank. They were thirsty, they drank. Not a problem, basic need for water. But there were 300 who put their hands in the water and lapped. That signifies being prepared. You see, the thousands of people that stuck their head in the water, didn't care what was coming at them. Their need, their desire (laughs) outweighed being prepared the enemy was coming. You see, being unprepared is a way the enemy takes us out. Time after time again. That's (laughs) That's why I'm very strong with accountability whether it's in works or in holiness, who do you have being accountable to? How do you do if you're failing? Are you ready for the enemy to attack you? Are you at prayer? Are you seeking the face of God? You see, so many times we get comfortable and we think, oh, we're good. I'm living holy, I'm living righteous, I'm not prideful, I'm doing great, I'm serving the Lord and we stick our head in the water and we don't care what the enemy's plan is. That is a part of pride. Because we're not looking ahead, we're not watching for what the enemy's devices are. Can I tell the enemy comes every way possible. The enemy knows you. He knows your weaknesses. He's assigned demons to you, even generationally, so that they can, know. ooh, this is an area I can attack. And if we aren't ready, if we aren't prepared, he will come and sneak in and kill us. He will stop us time and time and time again from victory. I've seen it for so many years in this house, so many years as I traveled, and that, that's the way the enemy comes and attacks Christians. He makes them feel safe, they're good, I'm doing everything right, and then he nails them because they're not prepared. You see those are some tests that we need to pass but how do we move ahead like gideon you see gideon began to trust in god gideon saw what god did and god fulfilled every place and he tested god and god fulfilled it but then gideon also passed the test for god where he passed the test of righteousness passed the test of gathering passed the test of pride and God prepared him for a place of victory and faith. How do we do that? Number one, we got to pass the tests. <laughs> Amen? We got to pass the test. We got to go to the next grade level in school. Stop being in third grade and let's go and graduate. Amen? You see, God's purpose has to be fulfilled in our life. That that is why we go through the tests. I've heard it where people go round and round the mountain. Oh, they go through the problems over and over and over again. But they never succeed in having victory. You wonder why that is? They didn't pass the test. They didn't pass the test of pride. (laughs) They didn't pass the test of gathering. They didn't pass the test of righteousness, and God brings them back around and says, okay, you know what, my plan and my purpose is still for you, but come on, let's do this. You can pass the test. I've seen it even from generation to generation where a call of the Lord was upon the parents and the parents stopped, and they didn't pass the test, but their children grabbed a hold of the vision and said, I'm gonna pass this test. And it is amazing to see the purpose and the plan of God that can happen even generationally that we can pass the test and that will go and move our children to the next level and to the next level of faith. You know, the only reason why I'm here today is not because of the greatness of my faith, <laughs> nope. But I've got generations of people who passed the test. My grandparents passed the test and they had a hard test to pass. Time after time, they could have gotten offended, they could have left the ministry. I know some of the stories and I probably don't even know all of them. I would have been offended. And I would have said, whatever, I'm going to do my own thing. But they passed the test. My mom and dad have passed the test. People have looked and said, oh, Morocco does this. Oh, Morocco, oh, you know, they're stealing all the money and the church. Whatever they want to say, I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep serving the Lord. We're going to do something great for God. The the test of the enemy comes with fear and anxiety. (laughs) Doesn't matter. I'm going to do this. You know what I love about my mom and dad? They're old, huh? They're in their 70s. They should be retired. They should be hanging out, drinking coffee with their feet by the fire, hanging out with grandkids. But you know what they're doing? They're traveling around the world. They're preaching, they're giving, they're serving. They passed the test. They passed the test of righteousness oh my goodness. My father is so open and honest. It scares me. I sit on that front row and sometimes I want to go under the row. I can't believe he just said that. I'll never forget the story he tells. In fact, I use it in all of my trainings when I train the pastor's he was traveling and Pastor Colleen wasn't able to be with him and he went to a hotel room. He was preaching that next day. And he got into the hotel room and turned on the TV to watch the news. And as he turned on the TV, there was pornography boom on the TV. So he quickly turned it off and he called down to the front desk. This was a while ago where they had to do pay-per-view. And he said, hey, there's pornography on my TV. I did not pay for that. I don't want it. Get it off now. And they go, oh, well, it's okay. You know, something broke, and so just enjoy it. Dr. Morocco had a choice to make. Was he going to pass the test of righteousness? You see, nobody would have known. He could have watched as much porn as he wanted to because there was nothing saying that he did or he didn't do it, right? He didn't pay for it, it wouldn't be on the bills. Nobody would know. Nobody even knows he's there huh and the devil tried every way to try to talk him into it but you know what dr morocco did i love it he's awesome he grabbed the tv and he unplugged it from the wall and stuck it out in the hallway he called down to the front desk and he says your tv is in the hallway i'm not having that evil in my room then then he calls my mom on the phone And he said, this is what just happened, this is what I saw, pray over me and break off this defilement. Whoa, he passed the test. And God's power showed up in that service the next day. You see, time after time, the enemy will come and he will test you. But if we're gonna move on in God, if we're gonna have victory, if we're gonna go from faith to faith, we've got to pass the test. But secondly, I love it what it says there when Gideon gathered the people and he he blew on that horn. The Holy Spirit power came upon him. In fact, that was one of the promises that God spoke to Gideon. He says, I will be with you. Go in the strength you have and I will be with you. You see, we've got the presence of the Holy Ghost. We got the Holy Ghost power in our lives. That is how we move from faith to faith, from victory. Whatever place you're facing, whatever impossibility, we get into the presence of God and it will bring freedom. That is how we move forward. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 29, he gives strength to the weak and increases the power of the weak. Verse 39, 31, a scripture that we all know and love. But those who wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not faint because it is his strength. It is his power that we can do it. We must be mindful. We must be mindful that we can't do it. We can't fight against the Midianites, the Amalekites. We can't fight against demons. It's only by the power of God. We can't have breakthrough in our family. We can't give up the addiction that has been ruling our life. We can't. We can't. That's why there's so much divorce. That's why there's so much addictions. Because we can't. It doesn't matter how much counseling of hours and hours and hours you get. It's not going to help you. It's only by the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, God gives you the power to pass the test. He gives you the power to defeat the enemy. I love it when Gideon is there and he's got his trumpet, which, which really can't hurt people. He's got a little flame of fire, which probably could hurt about two or three people. And they got a bowl. All right, so I got a bowl. <laughs> How am I gonna kill somebody with a bowl? In and of themselves, they have no power no ability to have victory. The strength of numbers is not 10,000 or a million. The strength of numbers was only 300. They have no ability, no strength, no power in and of themselves. None of them knew how to do weapons. (laughs) Think about it. It's been seven years since they picked up a weapon. But God. In his strength and in his power, went before them and defeated the enemy. You see, how do we move ahead into a place of victory and faith? Number one, pass the test. Number two, do it in his strength and in his power. Many of you know me as Pastor Janelle, Dr. Morocco's daughter. Let me give you a little testimony of the test that I had to go through. I had to pass the test of obedience time and time again and righteousness time and time again. It was on my way, uh, I was finishing my, my, what was I doing? I don't know. <laughs> I was finishing my uh, bachelor's and the Lord told me to come uh, to go and get my master's. And I was one of those people who were not very smart. Uh, I got about a B minus average in college, and that was amazing. (laughs) I was like, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Because I can't spell. I really can't spell. In fact, if I write you a handwritten note and it's got spelling mistakes, don't correct me. I know they're wrong, but this is how I write. Praise Jesus. I grew up in Hawaii. That's how I spell. Amen leave me alone no I had some amazing friends and they just laughed at me all the time so and they were like brilliant people and they're just like okay let me help you I'm not a smart girl I'm not and yet God told me to go get my masters that was a test of obedience and death to self how am I gonna do this I can't do this God it's a test then at the end of my master's, I thought I was all that in a bag of chips because now I'm supposed to be really smart and I can start a business and do counseling all over the world if I want to. I should have my own shop and I'm gonna make lots of money, praise Jesus. I'll give it to the church, a lot of it, but God give me lots of money. And then God told me to come home and help my daddy. Here it was, I thought I was great, I was so amazing. And he brought me to the place of being Dr. Morocco's secretary. Now, I am very appreciative to Dr. Morocco's secretaries, and there have been many. But Dr. Morocco is is Italian, and he's very demanding. (laughs) Can I get an amen, Auntie Paulette? Amen. and he's not just a normal boss because he is one pastor in many many locations and just being a secretary to remember how to type which was really difficult in and of itself and then yes yes doctor i'll be right there and oh yes doctor i'm supposed to do that i I can't do any of this but look yes doctor okay yes doctor and then it was my daddy so i would go home and i'm exhausted and i want to hit him because i'm tired Oh, did you do that and did you do that? Hey, did you, you didn't do that. You need to redo that and that and that and that. And did you call all those people? Now, remind me, when you get into the office tomorrow morning after early morning prayer, you got to do this and this and this and this and this. It was horrible. That was the test of pride. (laughs) Because everything within me wanted to say, whatever, I have a double master's degree and I can go make some money. It's a test of pride. Whether I would submit to my daddy. Then God put me through the test of willingness. Or there I was as Dr. Morocco's secretary but then I was also overseeing all of the facilities and so there I was trying to be the typical pastor's daughter, try to look nice on Sunday morning and typing up his notes and then the bathroom is flooding. So running into the woman's bathroom in my heels trying to unplug the toilet that is leaking all over the place. Ooh, talk about the pride. The willingness to serve no matter what. The willingness to give. He brought me through the test of tithing. (laughs) Were you going to tithe even though you don't have money to give to your bills? Are you going to tithe or are you going to pay your bill? It was a miracle. I was like, Lord, okay, I have $130 left, and that's the payment I have to make on my credit card. But I need to tithe. So I'm going to trust in you, and I am going to tithe. I don't know how I'm going to make that b- payment, because it comes due tomorrow. i got to send it off tomorrow, Lord. How am I going to do this? Okay, I'm going to tithe. I'm trusting you. I'm going to tithe. The next day, in the mail, guess what comes in? From the credit card company. <clears throat> Not another bill, but a check made out for $130 as a rebate for something, I don't know what. But I went and I cashed it and I wrote out a check to the credit card company and God paid my bills. And I haven't once gone back on tithing, not once. And God has blessed me. There was a place of test of submission. But God had spoken me to go to Oahu and, and I had a vision for Oahu. I was gonna have seven churches on Oahu and I started one of the churches and, and then I multiplied and we started on another side of the island and I was doing the youth ministry and helping with worship and I was so excited. Yes, this is what God has for me. Until my brother, praise the Lord, hallelujah. He came to preach on Oahu and in the middle of the night he had a dream that he had moved to Oahu and a mighty revival broke loose across Oahu. And he was woken up by, from the dream from a text message to his phone. He woke up and he opened up his phone and there was a text message from a friend who's a prophet. And he says, I just had a, a word from the Lord that a mighty revival was gonna take place on Oahu and you were gonna be a part of it. Pastor Josh passed the test of obeying God, and so did Pastor Shannon. She didn't want to go. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is gonna be awesome. We're gonna fulfill the vision, and we're gonna have seven churches on Oahu, and me and my brother are gonna take over Oahu, watch out. Until Dr. Morocco called me on the phone and said, Pastor Janelle, I need your help. You need to move back to Maui. And I said, no, because God gave me a vision. God spoke to me. God, God gave me signs and wonders that I'm supposed to be on Oahu. No, I need your help back on Maui. Can I tell you that two years, the first two years I was home, I love Maui, I love the people here, but every day I cried because my heart was on Oahu. My vision, my dream, everything I had invested was on Oahu and I had to die to it. But I passed the test of obedience. I passed the test of submission. And it was six years of very hard, hard work, But because I passed the test, God opened up the world for the nations. And I was able to do the dreams and the visions of my heart to touch the nations. Ever since I was a little girl, I wanted to be a missionary and there was no way I could do it. But God opened the door. You see, when we pass the test, through our inability, when we pass the test and then we trust in God and we have his strength and his power that sees us through, he will give us victory, he will increase our faith, he will increase our abilities. You see some trust in chariots and some in horses but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. The last thing that we see from uh, Gideon and how we can grow and move ahead like Gideon did. Thirdly, we gotta go for it. Everyone say, go for it. I love it. Cracks me up. God is so funny. God speaks to Gideon and Gideon's, you know, complaining, why, woe is me, blah, blah, blah. And God doesn't address that, instead he says, go. Everyone say, go. Now when I saw that, it jumped out of the page even though I've read it a hundred times because it reminded me of what God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. You know what God said to Abraham? His first words to Abraham, go. Isn't that cool? And then as I began to research Isaac in Genesis 26, The next generation, God doesn't tell him to go, he says, stay, why? Because it's a difficult place. It was a famine and he wanted to go down to Egypt, but God said, stay. Then the next generation, Jacob, in Genesis chapter 35, after he comes through all of his tests and all of his junk, God says, go to Bethel, go. I'm gonna do a whole research on when God says go, because I really believe that God waits on us. He waits on us to go and take that step of faith. He waits on us to trust in him and be strong in his power and in his spirit. You see, God is always a directional God. He is always moving. And he's waiting for us to catch up. You see, uh, He's always wanting to move us to victory, always wanting us to move to faith, to faith. He's waiting on us. Several years ago, when I was traveling, uh, I was going and getting my, ma- my doctorate, trying to get my doctorate, by the grace of God, at Springfield, Missouri, and I had lived there when I went and got my master's, and, and it, was a, it was a nice place. But I hated it. It was horrible. <laughs> Everything I didn't want to do is what I did when I was in Springfield. It was horrible. It was a test. Ah, it was a trial. It was horrible. <clears throat> Every time I would fly into Missouri, I'd feel that, that, you know, that feeling. Anybody ever had that feeling? Just the Mleh, yuck. I don't want to be here. God, get me out of here as soon as possible, Lord anyway about two years ago I was had been traveling so much around the world I was staying in hotels pastor Jamie and John were here and I said God I am tired of this hotels it was after the second time I blew up eggs in the microwave because I wanted eggs for breakfast I said Lord I need a kitchen I am tired of hotels this is a nasty hotel and it's the cheapest one I can get get me out of here God and the roaches and oh praise Jesus It was worse in springfield missouri than it was in in any place in the world can i just say (laughs) i'm scarred for life (laughs) so god gave me great grace and favor and i bought a home there in springfield missouri for very cheap hallelujah like very 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 cheap like you can't even buy a a piece of rock here on the islands for as cheap as i bought the house for And I would go to school and then I would stay at my house and I'd allow people to come and hang out at my house or if they're staying in that area, uh, my parents would stop by and I'd leave it open and it was great. But last November, something happened. I, was, I stayed there, I went to my class and then I had a couple weeks and I had gone down to Arkansas and Dallas and did teaching and trainings and preached in all of our churches in that area. And I was in Walmart and uh, I was, you know, talking story with people. And I found out that the person at the door was a retired pastor who was overseas and was a missionary and changed the nation, uh, that specific nation, and yet he was standing there at Walmart greeting people, which is awesome. And I said, oh, what church are you involved in? Oh, I'm in this church. Oh, what do you do there? Oh, nothing. They won't let me do anything because they're all waiting for the next generation. And then I met another person who was doing nothing and just going to church because they needed to go to church and they were retired missionaries and I got angry and it was more and more people that I saw and I said, God, this is wrong. These are people who have touched nations and they are not useless because they're over the age of 65. There is treasure and wealth. And if Pastor Alcantara at 83 could come to Maui and start an entire ministry and live to 106, God can use anybody, whether it's young or whether it's old. And I got angry. Like, I was angry. I was calling my dad and giving him a lecture. And he's like, yes, I know. I know. I know. And I was like, God, if you bring me to Springfield one day, I'm going to change this because this is wrong. And then i preached at our marshallese church there in springfield and brother ali was like oh pastor you need to move to springfield i'm gonna pray that you move to springfield and i said no in jesus name (laughs) and then praise the lord god was gracious to me i was able to be home during this time of uh covid which I'd rather be in the nations, but I had to be home because all the nations were shut. And I was able to finish my doctoral thesis and God was gracious and thank you for all of you who participated in the project. Man, you guys are amazing, seriously. But then all of a sudden, I was getting excited. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? All right, as soon as the nation's open, I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna go interview this person. We're gonna open up in this place, and then we're gonna, oh God, I got that connection. I'm ready, Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready. (laughs) And then Dr. Morocco talked to me, and he says, hey, uh, there's a church in Springfield that is going through some difficult times, and I'm gonna go up there. Uh, You and Pastor Josh need to pray about it, because I'm gonna go up there and it may be our new extension, Kings you should move there. No. It's Springfield. Yuck. Like bleh. Like bleh. <laughs> No. But I'll pray because God's got to lead you and guide you because this is a big step. He goes that Sunday morning. <laughs> he calls me. <laughs> All right, doctor. Are we going to do this? Is this God? Or is this not God? What do you think? What do you think, doctor? yep this is god why don't you come on over here and uh i want you to come and preach i'm gonna pastor josh go preach and you go preach next okay i can do that i'll go preach not a problem i was there on staff for a couple years i love the people they're amazing i'll go preach you know have you ever thought about moving to springfield you own a house there you know that right no 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 i started to fast and pray all of a sudden god started reminding me of prophetic words and even things that I had prayed for and asked for. And he started giving me a vision for the place. Many of you know if you've gone and researched the place, they have a a beautiful mansion that's there from the 1900s that was built. And uh, they've been using it as a bed and breakfast and it's beautiful. And all of a sudden the Lord started giving me a vision to have an international pastor's training center right there in the center of the United States of America that we could touch the world and then all the things that I've been wanting to do to do short term and long term missions trips plant churches throughout the United States and throughout the world all of a sudden God said "Well, I've given you a building I've given you a place now do it no 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 no, Lord that's not of you at Springfield no 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 I'll go to Dallas I'll go to Seattle any place but Springfield And then he started reminding me of the prophetic words of a revival coming and miracles and signs and wonders. And I thought, Lord, Lord, we've been praying for a revival. How come it hasn't happened? He says, the seeds that have been planted in Springfield in the center of this nation, I'm gonna breathe a revival. Haven't you been asking to be a part of it? Okay, maybe, 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 God, maybe. Maybe. I said, God, you got to give me another. You got to give me like another one. I felt like Gideon. God, you got to give me another sign. Give me another sign, Lord. All of a sudden, Pastor Alex, it was that next morning after I had prayed that with intensity, <laughs> with the, okay, well, maybe. Pastor Alex sent me a text message. He said, Pastor Janelle, my wife told me that I needed to text you this. Uh, I had a dream three months ago that you. Uh, moved to the place where you own a house and started a church three months ago. Pastor Alex, you should have told me that three months ago. No, it was exactly the right timing and my confirmation, my sign. As I drove, as I flew into Springfield, I said, Lord, you've got to touch my heart because I still feel yuck when I think of Springfield and all the things that went on. You've got to touch me and you've got to change my heart and it will be my confirmation when I set foot on that land that I will have an excitement and a vision. And as the plane landed, there was no more yuck sound feeling anymore. And I was excited. You see, I believe that God can do that for every single person. It's not because I'm a Morocco, no. I had to pass my tests. I had to rely on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit (laughs) because we can't do this. But he's waiting on us to go, to do it, to go for it. I believe there's men and women here in this place that you're ready, you've passed the test, you've been diligent, you've been faithful, you've been loyal, you've been fruitful, you've gathered people, you've been holy. Now is the time, let's go, let's do it. Whatever God sets in front of us to do, whether it be a high mountain or just a hill, may it be a valley. Let's do it. Let's do it. Everyone stand to your feet tonight. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.